Hello, and welcome to A Photographic Life. This week's podcast is the first um, in the, I think this is the 51st actually, so in that number, in the last 50 odd podcasts, that I found myself recording a podcast and then immediately deleting it. I've deleted the podcast I had recorded because something happened in the last week um, and it made me think and it made me feel that it was important that I reflected on what has happened. Um, I was listening to the radio the other day, Radio 4, and um, there was an interview with the photographer Rankin. Um, it was a, a general chat show, really, I suppose, a light-hearted kind of a uh, entertainment show. And the person who was interviewing uh, Rankin um, commented on um, of the fact that Rankin had previously uh, stated that he was unhappy with photography. Interestingly enough, um, he kept repeating the fact that he wasn't getting paid as much as he used to. But that's maybe a separate discussion point. Um, what was making him unhappy was social media and the smartphone. And he seemed to be getting rather confused and confusing photography with the, the, I suppose, issues that social media can bring about. The addiction to the smartphone, the mental health, the well-being issues we, we know all about that can be connected with social media. And he was kind of drawing photography into that. I just thought he's missing the point here. He seems slightly confused. Anyway, that's kind of a an aside, really, to to the main issue I wanted to discuss this week. But the two are very closely linked. They're linked by this kind of confusion between photography and, and, and what it is as a medium. And I suppose you'd say the bigger world. This week, um, World Press Photo um, announced their winners. And I don't know why this happens, I, and particularly with World Press Photo, but controversy immediately sparked up. Primarily, I suppose, thanks, and I say thanks because I think the controversy is important, uh, thanks to Benjamin Chesterton, the production director of Duck Rabbit, which is a film production and training company um, he also runs uh, audiovisual storytelling production communications training in the UK and internationally. But Benjamin also runs Duck Rabbit on uh, Twitter. And if you're not uh, aware of it, um, I really recommend you check it out. Um, I suppose in a way it's old school journalism. It's about asking questions uh, of situations that occur um primarily in the photographic world and from us quite often with benjamin from a um an ethical perspective really anyway uh, the world press photo awards were announced and um there is no doubt that there are issues surrounding some of the photographers i think two actually uh who have been chosen uh, for awards this year and Benjamin has done an old school um, journalism job on it and um, got his facts and written a blog. Uh, far too much to go into at this point 
on this podcast. But do check out, if you are interested in finding out more about this, the Duck Rabbit on uh, Twitter and find the threads. It's not difficult to find those threads. What it seems to me is that photography is getting confused, just like rankings getting confused. Um, That confusion seems to be between photography and creating the photographic image and just being a human being, just being somebody who um, has basic core values, empathetic core values, uh, values which we, I, I think we all hope that we hold. Where's the confusion lie? Well, I think the confusion lies in the chasing of a dream, the chasing of this narrative that I spoke about uh, in a podcast a couple of weeks ago. The chasing of that um, prize, that golden prize, that recognition as a prize winner. I mean, I've judged World Press Photo Awards in previous years. In fact, I judged the uh, Multimedia Awards um, with Ed Cashy and a few other guys. And it was a really interesting experience. In fact, it was a really um, traumatic experience at certain times um, because of the kind of work we were looking at. There was, there was um, in fact, there were two particular pieces of work that as a panel we discussed and felt were inappropriate to award uh, any kind of an, an award to, um, primarily because ethically we felt it was difficult to um, promote what was being shown. I'm not quite sure where I stand. Well, I, I kind of am actually where I know where I stand. You know, ethically, as a judge of a photographic competition, you've got to bear those things in mind. You have to be aware of what you're awarding and why, and not be seduced, I suppose, by an aesthetic, by a shock value, by an extreme. Perhaps we should be as judges and, uh, and as people engaging with, with photography as seduced by the subtle as we are by the dramatic. And I think that's maybe where one of the problems lies with a lot of this and this confusion that perhaps some photographers, it seems primarily within the world of photojournalism, but there's no doubt that I can give examples of that from the advertising world and from the fashion world, where it's just gone too far. As I say, I think it's important to be human as well as a photographer. And surely that humanistic quality is the true quality that we should try be trying to convey in the images that we create. That's certainly what I try to do. And as I said to somebody in a conversation in the past week, the most important thing for me is just to be nice, to be honest, and always to be transparent. I first met uh, this week's contributor to um, What Does Photography Mean to You, uh, Colin Jones, um, roughly, I suppose, around 2000, I think it was, um, At the time, I was uh, designing, curating, editing uh, a series of books on photography in New York, London, San Francisco, and Paris. 
and the brilliant um, photographic editor I was working with, um, the genius Suzanne Hogart. You won't be able to check her out. She doesn't exist on social media. But boy, is she influential and does she know her stuff. Anyway, I was working with Susanna Hogarth. She introduced me to Colin Jones's work, particularly his pictures of The Who, um, very early pictures of The Who. I got friendly with Colin, um, started to visit him at his house, and together we tried to work toward getting his work better known, better seen, um, and a book produced. At that time, um, that kind of work, Colin's kind of work, was out of fashion. But I'm really pleased to say that since then, there seems to be have been there seems to have been a turnaround in that kind of interest. Anyway, uh, if you're not aware of Colin, Colin was born in 1936. Um, his creative life followed an, an unorthodox trajectory, really, because he began as a working class kid in the East End of London uh, and ended up as a dancer in the English Royal Ballet, marrying the great ballerina Lynn Seymour. He bought his first camera, as he'll talk about in this week's clip, uh, on tour in Japan whilst he was running an errand for the prima ballerina Dame Margot Fontaine. Uh, Jones had always admired the available uh, light backstage photography of Michael Petto. That's P-E-T-O, another photographer really worth checking out, an Hungarian emigre who agreed that he would mentor uh, Colin and his photography. Uh, in 1962, Jones started working as a full-time photographer for The Observer uh, and never looked back, really. Um, he went on to uh, photograph in New York in 1962, the Liverpool Docks in 1963, the race riots in Birmingham, Alabama, where he made uh, a great portrait of Dr. Martin Luther King in 1963. Then he went on to Leningrad and created some great work there in 1964. Um, that work continued through the following decades. Um, I suppose the books to look out for, really, from Colin, uh, his book Grafters, um, which documents the lives of people living in the north east of England uh, in the 1960s. Um, his book The Black House on the Afro-Caribbean youth, which uh, in the early 1970s in London, and uh, the pictures of The Who, uh, which was uh, published by Gemini Publishing in a book called um, Maximum Who. As I said, um, I've known Colin for a while, and for me it was really important to have him join us here on the podcast. Unfortunately, uh, Colin's not in um, the best of health at the moment, um, but one of the great supporters of his work with exhibitions over recent years has been Lucy Bell at the Lucy Bell Gallery in Hastings in the UK on the south coast of England. And um, there's an exhibition uh, coming up uh, now, I think. It, it's just any moment now. The details are on the uh, United Nations of Photography website underneath this podcast. So check that out. Um, but Lucy very kindly um, helped Colin uh, record this week's contribution and as you'll hear it was in a slightly uh, noisy um, cafe environment but despite that I think Colin's spirit and his energy and his enthusiasm really shines through. Well, at the moment it's uh, my life really for the last 50 years uh, with all its ups and downs 
uh, it hasn't it's not an easy career um, it's been times when I've been busy and then there are times when you're not and there have been a f- which is uh, you, you know you depend you're selling something and uh, you're never sure whether anybody's going to buy it and uh, the only really way is to be commissioned to work uh, which nowadays is very uh, thin on the ground Uh, so it's sort of is my wife sort of gets fed up that I've taken over the whole house But people realise that you, you you have to make a living. And the trouble is, if you live too long, like I have, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's uh, I don't know. It's even more difficult. But uh, other than that, I uh, it does mean a lot. I, I, as I've got older. I know much more about it than I did when I first started. Uh, I started in there when I was a ballet dancer. And uh, and when we, we used to go on tour a lot, and uh, one of the biggest tours that I went on was one tour in 19... 58, I think it was years ago. Uh, I, uh, we all had, all the dancers had cameras, and uh, you, and they sort of recorded in Australia things like the scenery where they lived and where they were taken. They were quite, we were quite often fated to go by rather wealthy Australians to visit properties, go on yachts and, and uh, so I I thought to myself I better have a camera as everybody else has got them and uh, so I went out and bought this very terrible camera and uh, for seven, well, I think it was about seven quid, and uh, it wasn't. Uh, in retrospect, look, looking at the negatives I shot with it, it wasn't very good. <laughs> and uh, but that's how I started really taking photographs uh, as a tourist. Uh, Thanks very much, Lucy, for organising that recording there with Colin. And thanks very much, Colin, for um, sharing um, some of his uh, experiences. As I say, if you're not aware of Colin Jones's work, do check him out. And listening to Colin there talk, it it does remind me of, of a couple of things. One is that whole kind of kind of fashion, cyclical fashion nature 
that photography has. And I've spoken about kind of the similarities, I suppose, between photography and music in, again, previous podcasts. These themes keep coming up again and again. And um, I suppose just as certain bands and musicians go in and out of fashion and then quite often find themselves rediscovered, um, so is the same with photography. And I can certainly remember a time when uh, John Levy and I were working on the the first issues of Photo 8 magazine back at the end of the last century, um, that the, the world of photojournalism and social documentary was not as it is today. There certainly wasn't the interest and there weren't the opportunities to share work um, back in those days. And it's great that so many of those photographers creating work in the 1970s, 80s, 60s, and obviously earlier than that, um, are starting to be rediscovered and uh, re-recognised and I think that's really important. I suppose there's always that sense of nostalgia for a lost time. And certainly a lot of the work that was created in the 1970s uh, is now being appreciated by people who, I suppose, are my age, really. And it sort of takes you back to your childhood, as well as younger photographers who I really hope, and certainly the success of, for example, Tish Murtha's work, um, being exhibited and published again um, really is uh, encouraging. I, I've written on a number of occasions about the importance of knowing about our heroes, knowing about our past, our photographic heritage, not just the big names, um, but also some of those people who perhaps flew a little bit under the radar. Um, when kind of thinking about that, it also draws a I suppose a parallel with a lot of the things that I've been speaking to uh, to people about recently, where I hear the word use style um, and attached to photography. That's not my style. I use a lot of styles. For me, style is transitory and therefore is dangerous because it's so easy for styles to go out of fashion. And the moment they do, your work can go with it. What's much more important is developing that visual language and staying true to that language. And I think if you look back over a number of the contributors we've had over the previous podcasts, you'll be able to actually see that their work has gone in and out of fashion, but it has always stayed true to them and the way in which they see the world. Anyway, I suppose this uh, week's podcast slightly more leaning towards a documentary uh, I suppose, uh, towards that genre. Um, but, you know, as I've said before, for me, it's all storytelling. Uh, week coming up is busy again. Lots of stuff going on. All I can say to all of you is have a nice Easter. Don't eat too much chocolate. Look out for the rabbits and take care. Mm -hmm.